Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell. Uh, enjoy conversations that I'm able to have with my friend Tracy Reynolds. Um, Tracy, as I think back to uh, so many of the uh, conversations, uh, these healthy dialogues that we've had with a variety of people. Uh, each time I listen and I think about, okay, we recorded this, we, we were able to see people live in person or live through the screen. Uh, each time I think, wow, these are great people. What an honor it is to have uh, conversations with them. I so agree. It's been quite a journey as we really didn't have any idea what we're doing when we started Next Step Leadership or where the Lord would take this. And today I'm excited that the Lord is taking us to Charlie Dawes. Uh, Charlie is a dear friend of yourself. You've got lots of connections there over the years. But a little background, he's currently pastor at Hill City in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, just right outside the capital. And I understand that they meet in a high school there and have a couple services on Sunday and then an online service. He has formerly been the Associate Vice President for Student Development at Southeastern University, where he also went to school. He has a D-Men from George Fox, uh, and he's been an assistant professor in practical ministries uh, in the College of Christian Ministries and Religion there at Lakeland. Uh, served in local church for over a couple decades as young adult pastor, youth pastor, worship leader. Married to Nicole, have three children, and he's got a podcast that started the same month we started ours, which is amazing. Welcome to the show, Charlie. How's it going? I'm so glad to be here uh, with you. Tracy, good meeting you, and uh, Chris, it's always good to spend time with you, friend. Yeah, it's so good to to be able to connect with you again. And Charlie, I'm just... Uh, you're one of those guys that I can say, I am proud of you. You know, thank you for being faithful. I, I think of that that phrase we all need to remember: steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. Um, you have endured, and, and you're an example. Uh, as I meet with the college students, uh, I encourage them to pay attention to people like you, because you are a leader. But you're a Christ-like leader where you're not like focusing on getting all the attention, but you're directing uh, people to the life in the kingdom. It's like life in the kingdom, and I'm proud of you. And uh, so thanks for participating with us in this conversation. Yeah, thank you. That means a ton. Thank you. Well, man, tell us a bit about yourself. We'd love to hear some of your background and how we got to be together in this same room. Yeah, I, uh, and I... I'm a church kid. I think that's the first thing I can tell you. I grew up in a local church, and I didn't grow up in a local church that had a lot of press or a lot of publicity for either positive or negative. We were a very steady congregation, and our pastor, I still consider him my pastor to this day. Basil Savoy was just a an example of when, when Chris, the things that you just said about me, uh, it, it doesn't quite feel uh, right to receive that compliment. 
because in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's what Basil is. Basil is steadfast. Mm-hmm. Basil uh, helps point people to the kingdom. And, and I don't know if I'm, I'm quite there yet, but I look at him and I'm like, oh, he's there. And, and so, man, just spent, um, spent my life in that local church. And Basil was my friend. Uh, he was my pastor and is my pastor. But when I think about him, he's my friend. We would throw the football and we'd shoot baskets. Our families would hang out together. And so I just had this privilege of, of being rooted in a local church, having incredible access to leadership. Uh, well, I look back at that now, and I think that might be the single greatest gift that I was given as I was kind of growing up and maturing in the Lord and then showing interest in uh, pursuing uh, pursuing God professionally, for lack of a better term. And I just had access. Basil's door was always open. And so as a seven-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 16-year-old, I, I would be in his office just hanging out and I would ask questions and I had permission to to just let my mind wander and it wasn't a uh, it was never scripted um and those were just gifts and so when i look back at that i man i was being mentored for ministry long before i ever knew it yeah yeah and then when i finally started having some some ideas about it um i had a pastor that was was okay with letting an 18 year old kid try some stuff out mm-hmm. and so while i was attending you know, Southeastern University uh, kind of preparing, you know, on the educational side for ministry, Basil had provided this sort of laboratory for me to move from the classroom right into practical ministry. And man, what a gift that was. What a gift. And I didn't have these expectations on me of productivity. And so it was a uh, man, it was a gift. And so I, I got a chance to work alongside Basil for about 12 years. And then an opportunity opened up at Southeastern for me. And when I came to Basil, uh, he just smiled and said, man, you, you can't say no to this. He said, this mm-hmm. is God. He said, I think you need to, I think you need to pursue this. And uh, so we did. And, and we, we spent another decade um, there at Southeastern and got a chance to work alongside just some incredible leaders. Uh, you know, the president, Dr. Engel, uh, I got a chance to, to work with Dr. Rutland for a little bit, and uh, but but mainly my time there was with Dr. Engel and uh, Dr. Chris Owen and, and so many of that leadership team, their entrepreneurial style, their innovation, their willingness to to try things and and give people opportunities to grow and discover sort of their divine design. Man, I was again, it was a privilege to be part of the team. And the greatest gift is getting a chance to influence the next generation and watch people who have a desire and a passion, not only just to serve the Lord, but actually to to make a difference. And sometimes that making a difference phrase uh, can lead itself to feeling grandiose. Mm -hmm. But for me, the making a difference is just what does it look like for me to be a better husband or me to be a better father or me to be a better Christ follower sort of in my locale. And I feel like if I'm faithful with that, whatever God does beyond beyond that, that's a grace. And I don't get to control grace. I don't get to manipulate graces. I just have to kind of ride that wave. And so Southeastern was, was that for me uh, in the classroom, outside of the classroom, working with emerging leaders helping them navigate, and Chris, you know this well, navigating that that period of time between 
18 and 22, where you're making some, some really big decisions about who you think God to be, who you, who you feel like God's calling you to become, and what does it look like to kind of journey that way. And to get to walk alongside people doing that, man, was, was something I, if I'm honest, I'm, it, that's the thing I miss most about not mm-hmm. being on a college campus day in and day out, is the, I took for granted the number and the volume of conversations you would have on a daily basis that were influencing people's life trajectory. You just got used to it. And now not being there, I look back and I go, man, what a season that was. And I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to do that. But even while I was at Southeastern, I always knew uh, the local church was who we are, uh, my wife and I. It's what we always felt called to do. Southeastern fit our gift mix because it was kingdom work, because it was you know, even preparing people for local church work. And even during that time, I remained connected and, you know, did some consulting, did some teaching pastor roles, did worship leading. Like I was, it was a part of, of churches, but just knew God had designed us to pastor in a local context. And so we were open to that and didn't really know what it was going to flesh out and how it would look. And uh, about six years ago, almost about six years ago now, um, and the Lord opened a door for us to come and, uh, and pastor in the Washington, D.C. area. And we had just uh, uh, some challenging times, some good times, and just saw God's hand move in some, some significant ways. And then in the midst of a pandemic, man, the Lord calls us to plant a church. And uh, mm-hmm. there's where we are now. Hill City Church is, is now uh, you know, coming up on three years. And it, is, uh, it has been one of the greatest joys of my entire life to watch God's faithfulness. Oh, to see God um, do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. And that doesn't always have to equate to stuff that I can touch or taste. But Mm -hmm. sometimes God does more than we could ever ask or think. And it's giving us a grace and a peace in the midst of a season where it shouldn't feel that way. Um, we, We should not have felt as peaceful planting in the midst of a pandemic. We should not have felt as confident as we did planting in the midst of a pandemic where you have to meet online for seven months before you could ever gather in person. And to watch God be faithful to a word that he spoke to our heart, um, I'll never forget it. And if he never does anything else, um, he's done more than enough. Wow. Take us... Take us back. I mean, I love every part of that journey, and I think we need to just kind of dive into each kind of chapter in that story. But let's just spend a little more time uh, with Basil. Uh, let's gossip about Basil because you and I love him so much, and Tracy's met him um, and heard me talk about Basil so much. But, uh, you know, I've been uh, away from living in the Orlando area for it's like over 16 years now. And Basil is one of those people that I still stay in touch with regularly um, because it was that kind of relationship. Like the miles did not separate us. But um, you wrote about him in your book. Um, and I love your book, by the way. We'll talk more about that. Simple Prayer. It's a fabulous book. I love it. You're a great writer. But um, I feel like we're missing 
um, basils in today's American church culture. We have the pastor on the stage in his face on the screen world, but not a basil walking beside us in the morning, grieving, but celebrating seasons of our adventures. Talk to us a little more about how Basil invested that time with you and why you're different now because of that. Oh, yeah. I, I, love, I love that man. And for the rest of my life uh, and the rest of his life, we, will, uh, we would drop anything for each other. If Basil calls me tomorrow, uh, I'll be on a plane in that minute. It just mm-hmm. is that sense of relationship. But he is, to your point, Chris, um, he is, I think he's the prototype pastor that Eugene Peterson talks about. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is, uh, I tell people this, I didn't have a preacher growing up. I had a pastor. And I do think that there's a place for preaching. I'm not minimizing that gift or that, that role. But if I have to choose on what I want to be or even what I want my family to sit under and submit our lives to in a way, man, I'll, give me a pastor. Give, give me someone that can and chooses to represent the presence of Christ in the daily. That, that isn't too, too far beyond they're no longer accessible. Again, I, mm-hmm. I had the gift. I was raised under that. I got a chance to experience organizational leadership at Southeastern. So in me, I have these two sort of worlds. And yet I, I know in my pastoral life, there is a way of the monk <laughs> that is in my mm-hmm. soul that if I'm not careful, this organizational um, aptitude actually tries to do violence to. And I just watched Basil not buy into that. Didn't go to a bunch of conferences. Didn't, didn't subscribe to a bunch of different... He just was steady. Who he was, Chris, 16, you know this, 16 years ago is precisely who he is now. And I think in a world that is constantly challenged with identity that's constantly chasing some sort of definition and redefinition to have a pastor that just can model consistency and can model steadfastness. I said this to Basil when I was with him last. I said, Basil, I feel like faithfulness was the fruit of your ministry. Your faithfulness was the gift that we all received. And, And that to me has shaped more than my education, um, and second, second to the Bible, Basil has formed my pastoral identity more than any of my degrees, more than any of, of anything else. When I pray, I sound like Basil. When I meet with someone in the hospital, I, I sound like Basil because that's how I learned that. Um, I, I went to hospital visits with him and, and then we would go by Chick-fil-A and get a milkshake. And so I learned very clearly that pastoral ministry is both hard and sweet. And, and those two things can actually happen in the same day. And uh, it was a gift. It was a gift to work with them. I used to tell students all the time, who you work for and alongside in your first job and role in ministry is more important than your salary, more important than location, 
It's everything. Who you work for and with will shape you in ways you can't even get your mind around right now. And when I look back, I had a lot of friends in college that were getting jobs at big churches and they were making really significant moves. And I remember having a feeling like, man, I wish that was me. You, you, you kind of long for that. Mm-hmm. And, and oh gosh, what a, what a gift of God. Some of those people aren't even in ministry anymore. And right now, I, I think I got another 30 years in me uh, to give to my local congregation. And, and that's because the grace and the pace of Jesus is what we want to move. It's a phrase we use at our church all the time. We want to go with the grace and the pace of Jesus. And those things are not um, quantified by our culture. Those things are, are spoken to us by the Spirit. And so we don't determine the value of a service solely based on metrics that I can count. And that's important, but I learned that from Basil. Mm, that's beautiful. I'm thinking about um, Paul and Timothy and, and Paul and fill in the blank, but particularly that one, uh, having a Paul in our life and now having Timothy's in your life. Uh, talk about now how you've changed that focus and now you've become more of the mentor um, tell us about how you're doing that now. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, uh, gosh, I just, it is that phrase that Paul uses, right? He's talking about, he's talking about the Eucharist, but he says, he says, what was given to me, I'm going to pass on to you. And I think for me, that's just the best thing I can do. I've got a great friend and he uses this phrase and whenever he's not around, I steal it. And I say it's mine. Uh, But he says, you can't give away what you don't have. And so I think for me, the only thing I have to give is what I've received. Mm -hmm. And so whether it was at the university or it's now in a local church. And again, when you're dealing with, you know, congregants, they're in places sometimes further down the road than I am. The best thing I can do is, is is give them Jesus right where they are. To provide the presence of Christ right where they are. And, and hopefully that's enough. And if I get the opportunity where people would point back and go, man, his voice was shaping and forming in my life. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's a, that's a gift. And, and, and still, if I'm completely honest, still very, very surprising that that happens in my life. Because um, I still very much feel like I want to find seats at the table where I can learn from and I can ask questions. Like I don't feel like that season of my life is necessarily over. Um, it's one I, I definitely enjoy. Um, but I do know now, you know, with our kids, that's my primary uh, discipleship, uh, I think, group right now. Um, and then beyond that into our congregation and, and things like that. But yeah, I, I enjoy it, but I just do my best to, to do what I've seen modeled. Well, we will we'll talk more about this in the second episode, but give us just a brief summary of the book, kind of a taste. Um, and then we'll again, we'll talk more about it in the next one. Yeah, simple prayer. Uh, it's it's simply that it's things in our life that are are simplistic don't mean uh, are, that are simple doesn't mean that they're simplistic. And so, simple prayer is a, a way of praying, uh, not the way, but a way where we maybe reduce our words, uh, but we increase our intimacy. And so, I think it's perfect for somebody that is is to, putting their toe in the waters of prayer, or, or maybe people kind of like myself that grew up in church and sometimes prayer was daunting and intimidating. And they just wanted to find a way that was maybe ancient for the present uh, that allowed them to move into the presence of God. And so uh, I wrote Simple Prayer 
uh, and I think it would be a help for them. Yeah, it's such a good book, and uh, Charlie, you're a great writer, a great communicator, and uh, we'll be passing the information on to those who listen to the podcast uh, so they'll be able to connect with you. Uh, well, we need to end this first conversation, but Charlie, we'll have you on again for the next episode. We just appreciate your heart, and yeah. we're all in kind of this season, even though we're sort of in different places, different seats, uh, but we're in this journey of like, okay, how can we learn who who is mentoring us still, no matter our age or our experience, and who are we mentoring, and how are we mentoring them like Christ, finding ways to make sure that our next steps are our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.